This is ESPN Radio. Now, earlier we Shay, this is another one of those songs that's definitely not on my playlist right now. I can promise you that. This was not a suggestion by me. This is definitely a Matt Lack production. But you are listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, ESPN Plus. It's Shay Shay Cornette and Chris Canty. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. And Shay, we got a bunch of woes bombs to get to, a bunch of NBA news. Can I just say, earlier it was Backstreet Boys, now it's Taylor Swift. Someone's got to get a hold of this playlist, like, with the quickness. I don't rock with Taylor Swift. I don't hate her. I just, I'd rather not, like, come into, like, this isn't the kind of hype energy I'm looking for on a Tuesday night. You know, isn't the club, like, supposed to be going up on a Tuesday? What's it happening with be. this music? What's yeah, going on? I feel like the guys behind the glass are needling us a little bit just we, to we get, this get this reaction. Right. No, they're getting what they want right now. This is the exact reaction that they want us to have, to be fired up oh, on the radio come like on. this. This is exactly. too much. What's happening here? Exactly. And what year is this? I don't know. They're probably going to tee up Britney Spears next. I'm pretty sure that that's on deck. So, don't test yeah. me, Chris. Don't test I, exactly. me. Exactly. He's, he's a dangerous man right now with his fingers on the trigger, <laughs> that being the, the, the board in the production room. Uh, but anyway, Shay. Anyways. <laughs> we got to address the elephant in the room. Let's and do it. I know a lot of people have already gotten wind of this, but it, it, it deserves being revisited and us speaking on it. Mike Golick Jr., my former co-host, has decided to leave ESPN for Greener Pastures. And I, for one, am excited for Mike. I'm happy that he has another opportunity for the evolution of his career. I will say this, after six months of working with the man, he is the consummate professional. He's a great teammate. I'm going to miss him a lot. I I think he's extremely talented. I'm excited about seeing what's next for him, what the next chapter is going to be like for him. Um, But, uh, you know, that's one of those things that, it's bittersweet when it comes to the business side of things, but uh, as a part of ESPN Radio, we keep the show moving. Yeah, I, I hear you. I love Mike Golick Jr. You know, I, I just recently had a baby, and my first show back after I had a baby was with Golick, and I remember being like, ah, oh, this is such a breath of, breath of fresh air to work with him in my first show back because he just always knew what to say to kind of ease you into whatever you had to talk about or do in, in that day, whether it was through humor or knowledge or whatever. Um, he's a life friend here with the Cornets as well, and um, I truly, absolutely wish him the best in whatever comes his way going forward, but he will be missed not only in the ESPN radio family, but the ESPN family as a whole. So well said, Canty. I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, he's a lifelong friend. That is what it is. I'm going to miss him. I will not miss him eating mayonnaise and dipping Oreos or crickets in mayonnaise and eating them on air. I I can't say that I'm going to miss that about him. But but you know what? He's a friend, and he's a really talented guy, and so I'm excited to see what's next for him. But what's next for us? is talking about this Portland Trailblazers trade that happened with the New Orleans Pelicans. The Trailblazers sending three players, uh, no, sending four players down to the New Orleans Pelicans and actually getting back in return uh, players and a first-round pick that's top four lottery protected in 2022 along with two second-round picks. So Portland is also sending Larry Nance Jr. and Tony Snell in the deal. They get back Josh Hart, Thomas Sadaransky, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Dide Luzada in that deal. And so I don't, I don't necessarily look at this as one of those situations where Portland is trying to rebuild around Dame in the short term. Shay, I think this is more about Portland recognizing that they got to strip this thing down to the studs, and they're going to be faced with having a very difficult conversation later this summer about the future of Damian Lillard in Portland because I think that it's in the best interest of all involved if they try to get as much as they can in return in a trade 
for Dame to a team that could actually contend. So I like when you say that to me, I'm not like this is a crazy take, Candy. Like I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see what you're saying, especially considering what Damian Lillard now is left on an island, basically in Portland. They've traded away three of his four other opening day starters from his roster. Um, the CJ McCollum news was inevitable to me. I thought it would happen actually sooner. I thought it was maybe going to happen during the offseason last year. They just couldn't get over the hump together. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't enough for them there in Portland. But if you rebuild, if you do do what you just said. Like, you you strip it down to the studs, and it's time for Damian Lillard to go elsewhere. Who are you going to get to build around then there in Portland to eventually become someone that competes in the West with the likes of the Warriors or the Lakers or the, the Grizzlies or whoever it is or the Suns? Who are you going to go get? Like, Dame is, is, I think, in my opinion, one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of superstars that comes to your team and is loyal to a fault and wants to stay there and build there and be a part of the community. So now if he's asking to add something else around him, whether that's young dudes or now you've freed up enough uh, you know, salary cap space to go get somebody else that elevates his game and makes him better and at the bare minimum gets him to the second round of the playoffs, like, wouldn't you want to do that? Teams rebuild forever. This is coming from a Bulls fan. Like, I mean, you watched the documentary with Michael Jordan. Like, they're still rebuilding up until this year. Now they're finally first in the East. Like, it doesn't just happen that quickly, and it's not that easy. No, I know it's not easy, but the alternative is having Dame age out, not really getting anything for him, and not being able to get to your goal, which is actually contending in the Western Conference. And as constituted before all of these trades that happened in the past calendar week, you would say that the Blazers don't have a roster, even with the healthy Dame, and a healthy CJ that's capable of being able to accomplish that. So I guess that would be my point right now is you have to be realistic with what you have. It feels like the organization is at an inflection point because they've got a new head coach, they've got a new front office. It feels like a natural opportunity to be able to transition away from some of the guys that have been stalwarts of this team for the better part of the last decade, and Dame Lillard would be included in that. And just from a personal standpoint, even though I'm a Lakers fan, I I love the NBA, and Dame Lillard is a singular talent, and I would like to see him have the opportunity to compete for a championship before he's out of the prime of his career. And and with all of the injuries that he's kind of been dealing with the last couple of seasons, like I feel like we're getting getting further and further removed from Dame being at the height of his powers. And so while he still does have some, some good years left in him, I want him to have an opportunity to be on a championship contending roster. Now, I don't understand. I don't know where that landing place would be this summer, but I certainly think that there's an opportunity to explore a trade that makes a lot of sense for both sides. For Portland being able to get more cap space, get younger and cheaper, get young assets, get draft picks, those those types of things. And for Dame, having an opportunity to go somewhere where you can realistically see yourself in a conference finals or the NBA finals. I feel like that's what things are trending toward in Portland. Just for the simple fact, Shay, that Portland is not a free agent destination. All of this cap space that they're clearing, that's all well and good. But unless you can swing a major trade for for a max player that you can bring in to be alongside Dame, I, I just don't see how you can add enough pieces to put this team in position where you look at them as a true conference finals contender. Well, let's hear from Brian Windhorse, uh, ESPN NBA insider. He was on Barton Hahn earlier today, and he says this was the reason behind that McCollum trade. Take a listen. Well, they're not done yet. They shaved thirty the two trades that they've made in the last few days. You know, they traded away Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers a few days ago. Those two trades, like I said, cleared out $30 million off of their books for next year. So what are, what are they going to do with that sort of hole in their roster? 
I don't think they're done yet. So I would keep an eye out for the for the following move. Maybe not this week, but maybe around the draft. And then you come to Dame this summer, and you uh, you know he's eligible for a contract extension, which I think he's likely to sign if they're willing to offer it. So I think what they're looking for is they're trying to get younger and retrofit the roster because the team that they had was okay, but they weren't you know proving to be significant contenders. Yeah, they weren't proving to be significant contenders. Got to go another direction. But mm-hmm. according to Woj, it sounds like if they offer him a contact, contract extension, he's going to stay put there in Portland. Like, he ain't going to ring chase and hop to all these cities in hopes that he's going to get it. He feels like if they can build around him and his skill set, maybe he can get it done there in Portland. What's interesting about the contract extension piece is whether Dame is more valuable with the extension or without it. And I would be interested to see what people in NBA circles think about that because we know that teams are – you know, hesitant to take on aging superstars at exorbitant salaries. Not to say that Dame is anywhere close to Russell Westbrook territory in terms of that contract. That's an albatross around the Lakers' yeah. neck. Yeah. But that's the, the the danger of signing one of those guys or trading for one of those guys with the back end of an extension that Portland would offer Dame would look like if they were to try to move him. So that's the interesting caveat with yeah. that. But, but that being said, though, Shay, I still look at this as a situation where Portland's got some tough decisions to make. Of course, Dame is the biggest one, but they've also got to re-sign Anthony Simons, who's a restricted free agent this summer. Yusef Nurkic is also a free agent, so what you do with Dame could determine what ends up happening with him as well. But I still take the same position. I think it's in Portland's best interest to strip it all down because all of those pieces in place still don't lead to where you want to be, which is up there with the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors and currently where the Memphis Grizzlies are, those top three or four seeds in the Western Conference. You're just not in that territory from a talent standpoint. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Quickly, some breaking news here from Woj. Uh, Bradley Beal plans to undergo season-ending surgery on his left wrist. Uh, Sources told Adrian Wojnarowski that is unfortunate news for Bradley Beal. Talk about someone who's never been able to really secure that chip right there with the Wizards and has just been loyal to a fault. That's another one there in Bradley Beal. And unfortunately for him, he's going to undergo season-ending surgery on his left wrist wrist yeah i would say the same thing about bradley bill that i'm saying about damian lillard get the hell out of washington well i mean you're not gonna win there so to have an opportunity to contend i get you want to be loyal to the franchise you were drafted to but it just seems like it's a waste and it's not necessarily gonna work out with the whiz but coming up next will teams duplicate the ram strategy of trading picks for vets that are ready to win right now we'll have the answer for you you're listening to espn radio shay Cornette, chris canny back after this This is ESPN Radio. Getting better. There we go. There we go. There we go. Shea Cornette, Chris Candy on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the Twitter at ChrisCandy99 at Shea Pepler. And Shea, the Super Bowl is upon us. Bengals, Rams. We had the opening night ceremonies yesterday, and a lot of interesting sound bites came out of it, but also a lot of interesting storylines and one of which is how the Rams actually got to this point. And you can't ignore the fact that this is a team, an organization, that has not made a first-round pick since 2016. Now, a little bit of trivia. Do you know who that first-round pick was in 2016 for the Rams? Uh, Jared Goff. That was one Jared Goff. That was the last first-round pick this organization has made. And they shipped him this past offseason along with two future first-round draft picks because they didn't have one in 2021. 
they shipped him to Detroit to bring over the services of Matt Stafford. And so a lot of people are wondering, is it sustainable for the Rams to continue to use first-round draft picks as fun coupons in order for them to continue to extend this championship window that they have with their head coach, Sean McVay, and the current core of players on this squad? And to that, I would say, Shay, I continue to wait for the other shoe to drop, and it just hasn't happened. They survived Jared Goff. They survived Todd Gurley. They were able to work around some ugly contracts, ugly extensions that they gave both of those two players, and yet here we are talking about them finding themselves in the Super Bowl for the second time in four seasons, and I don't necessarily know that this championship window is going to close, so that begs the question, is this a formula, is this a model that other teams around the National Football League can duplicate when it comes to utilizing significant draft capital in order to bring over veterans and be in win-now mode. No. In my opinion, this is a rare situation with what the Rams have constructed because you don't always have like this foundation of a roster, a strong defense, and faces on the defensive side of the ball that could be faces of the league, essentially, that you can kind of build around, essentially. like It's rare for a team to be a quarterback away. Like Adding Odell into the mix during this year was just like an added bonus, right? And then they, oh, they happened to lose one of their top receivers um, along the way, and Robert Woods anyways, and so it, it just kind of all worked out in that way. But for teams to be constructed this way, where they only need one more asset to kind of get them over the hump or return back to the Super Bowl is so incredibly rare. Like, I guess the team I would look to that's kind of got the same similar blueprint, although now they have a different coaching staff in place, would be the Denver Broncos. Um, The Denver Broncos feel like they're kind of a quarterback away or another quarterback and one more piece maybe away from kind of being in a similar situation. And they are in a similar situation, too, where they play in a division there in the AFC West that's very competitive, similar to the NFC West. And so I think... Maybe the Broncos could follow a blueprint, but other than that, there's not many teams that are are constructed in a way where you can bring in one more piece to kind of get you over the hump. But it's interesting that the Rams are going up against a Bengals team that's constructed in the complete opposite manner. The Bengals built through the draft. They flipped quickly because they developed talent and they utilized chemistry and they weren't untraditional in terms of what they selected, albeit in second round going Jamar Chase as opposed to Penny Sewell and, and the offensive line. And, you know, I was one of the people like you, Canty, that was all up in arms about that decision. But it worked in their favor, and so they trusted their quarterback, their very young quarterback. They built completely different, and I think that's why it's so easy if you don't have a dog in the fight to root for a team like the Bengals because it felt like they kind of put in the work, right? They did it the hard way where it feels like L.A. is very L.A.-like. They went and bought what they needed. They kind of shined it up, right, made it splashy and pretty. (laughs) They brought in Odell and all the bright lights and in this brand-new stadium, and it, it feels a little bit more flashy in that sense, and I just feel like that's a really rare thing to find in the the NFL and the only other team that I think could do it in the foreseeable future would be the Broncos. I have no other comparison. So it's interesting that you say that because I actually think it's harder to do what the Bengals have done. Oh yeah, I being agree. able to and being able to find a guy like Joe Burrow as opposed to what the Rams are doing with Matt Stafford. Now I don't think it's a formula for everybody, but I do think there are more teams that could follow a similar path to what we've seen Les Need and Sean McVay do out in LA than what we've seen Zach Taylor and Mike Brown do in Cincy. And you said the Denver Broncos is one of those destinations that's a quarterback away. To that, I would probably add the Indianapolis Colts. That division that they play in, the fact that you're talking about a team that has a top 10 offense and a top 10 scoring defense. You're talking about um, 
a team that doesn't have a first-round draft pick this year, but that, that didn't stop the L.A. Rams when they made the Matt Stafford trade. You could use future draft capital in order to bring over a quarterback if there was one available via trade. So I think that they're another team you have to consider. Also, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, now with Tom Brady stepping away and retiring, I think they're a team that's a quarterback away too. So I wouldn't be surprised if any of those organizations got aggressive. And the reason why I keep going back to the Colts, Jay, is that their owner, Jim Ursay a couple of weeks ago said, it's clear what you need to yeah, win in Twitter. the playoffs, which, that, is, yeah. which is an offense and a quarterback that can score north of 30 and a defense that can hold the opposing offense under 30. I thought that was Jim Ursay Jr. giving license to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich to cut bait with Carson Wentz and go find a quarterback that a team is willing to move off of that is capable of being a difference maker. Again, making those handful of throws that be the difference between winning and losing. And so I would probably list three or four teams that are a quarterback away. But again, I think that model is probably going to be a little bit easier to follow in today's NFL, just given where teams are at in terms of quarterbacks being able to play a lot later in their careers and also teams looking to find a succession plan for their quarterbacks. That's how we got here with the Aaron Rodgers situation. You know, I think that's one of those those things that you look at in terms of the potential for a franchise quarterback being available for trade. So we'll see what ends up happening, but uh, that that's probably the direction that I would lean in. Yeah. I think that the Rams model, while it's not for everybody, I don't think it's the only team that is capable of being able to pull that off. But Shay. We got to get to. We got to talk about Matt Stafford because we're talking about the Rams. We got to talk about Matt Stafford and the question of whether or not he's a Hall of Famer if he gets the dub on Sunday in the Super Bowl. We'll have that next. But first, a word from Wendy's. This is your Wendy's wake up call. Get a better breakfast at Wendy's when you buy any breakfast sandwich and get any size drink for free. Free fresh brewed coffee for free. Diet Coke free. Vanilla Frosty Chino yes, also free. Get to your nearest Wendy's drive-thru during breakfast hours and buy your Wendy's breakfast sandwich and get any size drink in a Wendy's cup for free. Limited time only at participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Offer cannot be combined with any other mobile offer. Not valid for third-party delivery orders. You're listening to Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio. Shea Cornette, Chris Candy. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, on ESPN Plus. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Hit us up on the ESPN call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. And Shea, the Rams and the Bengals, Super Bowl 56, the matchup is set in SoFi Stadium. And a big reason why the Rams are becoming the second team in NFL history to host the Super Bowl is because of Matt Stafford, and you mentioned it earlier in the show, based on how he played in the last month of the regular season, both of us weren't sure that the Rams would actually make it to this point. I get it this past offseason. It was Super Bowl or bust once the Rams made this move and traded two future first-round picks and Jared Goff in order to get Matt Stafford, but it feels like the plan has kind of worked itself out, and so that's the Rams making moves this offseason, and now they're in the Super Bowl, so... They're definitely making moves. Making moves is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Build your winning team today. Go to linkedin.com slash sports. And so now we're in the position where we have to evaluate what Matt Stafford's career is, and a lot of that has kind of 
started to lean toward Matt Stafford potentially putting on a gold jacket when he decides to finally hang up his pads and cleats. And I know it seems like a little bit of a shock when you think about Matt Stafford being a Hall of Famer, being in Canton, but I don't necessarily know that it's too far-fetched. How do you see this with Matt Stafford's career? Okay, I might have like a jaded version of this because I'm from Chicago, so I watched a lot of Matt Stafford. We called him Pad Stafford when we were in Chicago and Detroit because <laughs> what would he do? He's a was a very good quarterback in Detroit, but he never won games, and he just felt like he was always padding those stats late in games. And and to me, like let's all be completely serious. Like the way you pose the question towards me, which I've heard be asked, is we all wake up Monday morning after the Rams win a Super Bowl potentially, and we say, "Yep, he's in. Send him to Canton." Like. No. The mm. reality of it, he would have a 3-3 three and three postseason career record. He's a good quarterback. Yes, a good regular season quarterback. I'm not going to wake up Monday morning and send, say, send Matthew Stafford to Canton. He hasn't won enough games for me when it mattered. Is he a good quarterback in the regular season? Yes. Does that mean he has deserved to be in the Hall of Fame because of those numbers during 13 13- 13 seasons, good in the regular season? No. Now, if he goes to multiple Super Bowls, has one or two under his belt, this is a completely different situation. He's a very good quarterback, but he just hasn't done it in the right times yet. In my opinion, a 3-3 and record in the postseason and one Super Bowl win after playing 13 seasons and being pretty good in the regular season, not enough for me. Not on Monday morning. No. Sorry. <laughs> I, hear, I hear you on that one, Shay. But when you look at where he ranks in terms of some all-time marks in passing categories, he's 12th in passing yards right now. And I would say this, he has an opportunity to catch up with Phillip Rivers, who is currently 6th at 63,000 passing yards. Matt Stafford's right at 50,000 passing yards. So you're talking about him catching Phillip Rivers some point in the next four or five seasons. And so I think it's totally possible if he stays with Sean McVay and Les Need and this L.A. Rams team of him being able to build out the rest of his resume on top of winning the Super Bowl on Sunday where you would say, you know what, that's a Hall of Fame resume. I'm agreeing with you from the standpoint of he's not quite there yet, but in terms of how we view postseason Matt Stafford, I think all of that changes with a win on Sunday. I think a lot of it has already changed. Yeah, I agree because Because he's left the Detroit Lions organization right. where he was over three in the playoffs. And now with the new team, he's 3-0 and in his first season with McVay. So um, it shows you that he wasn't necessarily the problem when it came to having success at the highest levels of the sport with the Lions. It's more of the dysfunction of the organization. Keep it in mind, it's an organization that forced Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders to retire while they were both in their primes. So I don't think anybody's faulting Matt Stafford for not getting it done in Detroit. But the fact that he is getting it done in L.A. is 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 casting him in a little bit of a different light. No pun intended because he's playing in Hollywood. But I do think a Super Bowl win on his resume does change the way we look at him. And he goes from being the number one overall pick that never truly fulfilled all of the promise that came along with being picked that high to a guy that is clearly a force multiplier and a guy that deserves to be considered amongst the best of an era. He'll have the numbers to be able to match, but we know that the numbers in the regular season is just where you make your money. Your legacy is established in the postseason, and he's dramatically changing that with this postseason run. 
Okay, but you you agree with me. Like, you're not going to wake up Monday morning even after a Super Bowl victory and send him to Canton and think he's a Hall of Famer. Like, that's what you just said. Like, maybe three, four years down the road, if he's continuously winning in the postseason and he catches up to Phillip Rivers, who, by the way, was way more relevant and mattered more during his tenure with the Chargers while he was more relevant in the postseason. He won playoff games more regularly. Like, right now, Monday morning, we're not sending him to the Hall of Fame. Like, this notion's insane. Sure, in three or four years, of course, we'll talk about it more. Especially after he gets more wins under his belt. And it's under the bright lights, not even of L.A., but of the entire NFL. And he's not cast in the shadows of Detroit. Yes. But right now on Monday morning, uh-uh. That, that notion is insane. No way. <sighs> I I hear you. And it, 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 it does... It does sound like one of those things that seems like it's far-fetched just because he hadn't had a whole lot of success. And there's only one quarterback, I believe, in the Hall of Fame that has a losing record, and that would be Joe Namath. But we all know Joe Namath has a Super Bowl on his resume with the famous guarantee to go along with it. So I think that would be a huge piece for Matt Stafford. But as far as him having a losing record, I think that's going to change next season with yeah. the L.A. Rams or in the next couple of seasons with the Rams. He's 86-95 in the regular season, so... Again, he's going to have an opportunity over the next several seasons to solidify that, to make that resume more bulletproof for the Hall of Fame. But I think getting a championship on his resume dramatically changes things, and it tilts it more toward being likely that he'll be in the Hall as opposed to it being more of a toss-up, which is where we sit right now. Yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. He's trending in the right direction. But come Monday morning... I'm not going to change my stance from Tuesday. Like, this is where it's at right now. Talk to me in three or four years. Talk to me after you've made multiple postseason appearances, have multiple postseason victories outside of just one season, and maybe you you win a Super Bowl or win two or make it to two. I don't care. Then we'll talk. But as of how it stands right now, after 13 seasons in the NFL and having a 3-3 and record in the postseason, I'm not ready to do it. Well, Shay, you might not be ready to change your stance. You could potentially do it after the Super Bowl this coming Sunday. But we also got to talk about the greatest of all time, maybe changing his stance a little bit. Ooh, this is Shay Cornette and Chris right, Kenny, ESPN Radio. We'll have the answer for you on the other side. This is ESPN Radio. Hey, Cornette, Chris Kenny on ESPN Radio and ESPN Plus. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Get at us on the Twitter at Shay Pepler, at Chris Kenny99. And Shay, six days after he announced his retirement and a year to the day, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning Super Bowl 55, Tom Brady sets the NFL world ablaze with his commentary on his podcast with Larry Fitzgerald and Jim Gray, where it sounds like he's leaving the door cracked open to return to pro football. Here is Tom Brady on the podcast with Jim Gray and Larry Fitzgerald. You know, I'm just going to take things as they come. You know, I think that's the best way to put it. And I don't think anything never, you know, you never say never. And, you know, at the same time, I know that I'm very, I feel very good about my decision. So I don't know how it feels six months from now. It most likely won't. But, you know, I try to make the best possible decision I can in the moment, which I did this last week. And again, I think it's not looking to, you know, reverse course. I'm definitely not looking to do that. Um, but in the same time, I think you have to be realistic that you never know what, what, what challenges there are going to be in life. And um, again, I love playing. I'm looking forward to doing things other than playing that's as honest as I can be with you there now Shay I wish we could tee up that that sound from Mike Tomlin when he's being asked about a college job being asked about the USC job and he says never say never but never 
because that was a strong re- denial. That was a strong um, that was a strong stance on the potential of leaving the Pittsburgh Steelers. But that's not what Tom Brady gave us in this instance. I still don't think Tom Brady ends up coming back to play in the National Football League. But this this statement does beg the question of whether or not Tom Brady will potentially feel different, you know, three months from now, six months from now, when we're talking about the season getting ready to gear up again. So you feel like Canty, he still needs to feel like fuel that competitive drive, right? Like he's never known life in the past two decades plus without it. Is that why you feel like maybe he tinker with this in, in a couple months? Well, the thing that I would say is I don't think that this was his decision. Based on his comments, I think this is more of his family twisting his arm and saying, in order to enjoy the quality of life that we want, we need you to be more present as a husband, as a father. And he acknowledged that in his uh, in his retirement statement on social media last week. He said, you know, this is not just a me decision. My family's factoring into this decision. And this these comments – let me know that he still believes he can play football at a high level. He still wants to play football because he is at the height of his powers. But at the same time, it's not just about what he wants. So that's that's more of what I got out of the statement. Not necessarily that he's going to return back to the NFL, but that he, he still would play football if it was just left up to him. But we know that this decision is not just his alone. Okay, um, he went full Justin Bieber on me with this whole <laughs> sentiment, like never say never. Uh, but what I think is that Tom Brady is full of it. Mm. He's not coming back to play in the National Football League. He can fuel his competitive drives somewhere else. Maybe it's through his kids or he finds other outlets, albeit maybe with his production company or starting a new business venture or being an entrepreneur or whatever it is. This is the most methodical human being. Like I feel like Aaron Rodgers is methodical in his words. Tom Brady is methodical in his actions in terms of I mean the man wasn't eating tomatoes for a while because I think it causes <laughs> bloat. I'm not even sure. He sleeps the proper number of n- uh, hours a night. He has a specific bedtime. He works out in a specific way. I- I'm kidding about the tomatoes, but I'm serious in terms of his diet. Like he is extremely methodical and detail oriented when it comes to keeping his body and his mind and everything as tip top sharp as it possibly could be. And to think that this guy all of a sudden in a few months is going to be like, you know, just kidding. I'm going to come back. I'm not going to train and do all the things I used to do when I was winning Super Bowls at an extremely high clip. I'm just going to throw myself into the fire with a franchise that might need me in this situation where maybe their quarterback's injured or something. And I'm just going to see how it goes. No way. This is not in his DNA. I think we do not see Tom Brady as sad as it is suit up in the National Football League again. I think he's just trying to, you know, kind of pull at our heartstrings a little bit, play the never say never situation and keep his podcast and all the things we're listening to a little bit more relevant. Keep us coming back for more. Uh Uh-uh. To me, this is just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. I hear you, Shay, but the one thing I will say is he's been a football player more of his life than not. And so I can understand the finality to it, knowing that there aren't any more games to play, knowing that you can't scratch that competitive itch with being able to have, you know, the scoreboard, so to speak, up there and knowing whether you win or actually lose. Like, that's the tough part about transitioning away from playing competitive sports at the highest level. You're not going to get that kind of competition anywhere else. Now, there are other things that you can dive into, but you won't quite get anything like the rush of coming out of that tunnel and playing on an NFL Sunday or whenever they kick off the game. It's just one of those things that you can't replace. And so different players deal with that finality in different ways. And Tom Brady continuing to flirt with the idea of potentially coming back could just be his way of dealing with it from a psychology standpoint, um, putting this, this chapter of his life to bed. Because, again, 
most kids, most guys that play at this level, they've been playing since they were little kids, you know, six or seven years old. Yeah. Tom That's Brady is 44 years old. So to say that he's done this for almost four decades and now he's not going to be able to do it for the rest of his life, that's a shock to the system. And after having a week to actually sit in it and have people talking about the career and how great you were and potentially being in the conversation for MVP, to walk away from all of that has got to be tough for him. So I can understand the you know, you know know him vacillating a little bit going back and forth, but ultimately I think his sensibilities is going to win out because – You've made a decision. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to conduct themselves accordingly in terms of developing their offseason strategy and trying to find a succession plan for Brady. They've got some big-time decisions they've got to make with their roster. Chris Godwin, chief among them. So they've got their own business to take care of. I don't know that Tom Brady wants to keep them in purgatory by flirting with the idea throughout the entirety of the offseason that he could potentially come back, keeping in mind that they do have his rights if he does come out of retirement. I oh, that is good to know. I feel like he's like in the pool and he doesn't want to get all the way out. Like he's like keeping his toe in there just a little bit, just like ah, I can't quite get all the way out. I mean, you make a good point. He knows more football than he like will ever forget. Like he's played more football in his life than he's lived without it. You know, but I just the way he goes about his business, which is why he's the goat in my opinion, because of the way he's handled himself and and the professionalism professionalism and preparedness and all of the things just makes me feel like he wouldn't just make this reckless decision to just throw himself back into the fire. Because in my opinion, in like this competitive nature that he has, like if there was a scenario where there's a quarterback situation and they needed to fill a void, whether maybe it's a, a, you know, an offense that he's familiar with or a place he's familiar with and they, they needed to plug and play a QB, like perhaps that scratches his itch and he would come back or itch scratches it, whatever it is. Um, and he would come and he would come back and play them. I just can't, I can't see him not being so detail oriented leading up to in a return where he would just throw himself into the fire. And you made a point about his age. Like he ain't getting any younger. I know he has already defied all of the father time things that have ever come about in football, but I mean, how long are you going to wait until you figure out that you have completely closed this book? Like, and to me, the send off on the social media and the way he's kind of said goodbye to everyone in a roundabout way, like it was his way of really walking away from the game. He's just got to come to grips with it. It's like he can't delete the number from his phone. You know what I mean? Like, he's not quite there. <laughs> you know, he, can't, he might not be able to delete the number, but he can change the name to do not answer. Yeah, and I, feel man, like that's, like, right. I feel like that's exactly where Tom Brady has exactly. to go right now. So just if the Tampa the number, Bay Buccaneers man. call him, that he should not pick yes. up the phone because that's not where he's at right now. And he mentioned the commitment being a big issue Having to de- devote so much of your time to the offseason, the preparation, training your body, making sure you're ready for the rigors of now an expanded regular season that goes 18 weeks, not to mention the playoffs, it could be a little bit much for Tom Brady. So I think he has to stay with his commitment to retire. But coming up next, will James Harden be traded before the deadline? We'll have the answer for you. This is Shea Cornette, Chris Canny, ESPN Radio.